0: Our scripture reading today for the teaching is taken from Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 25, Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 25, and this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and so here at the church, we have a, uh, uh, just each year, it's just such an important uh, facet of our church to... uh, to, to have a Redemptive Kingdom Diversity Sunday message. And our scripture from Acts 16, verses 11 to 25, is along those lines, Acts 16, 11 to 25. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. We're going to be looking at the entire chapter, 16. Well, it's a fascinating scripture and one that will enrich our souls. Uh, while we'll look at the entire chapter, I'm going to read Acts 16, 11 through 25. Acts 16, 11 through 25. You'll find that on page 925 of your church Bibles. 925 of your church Bibles. And if you don't have a copy of the word to call your own, please receive it as a gift from our church family. Acts 16, 11 to 25. I want to put a tag on this message. Here it is. The Holy Spirit and the end of segregation. The Holy Spirit and the end of segregation. Hear these words. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods was a worshiper of God the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul and after she was baptized and her household as well she urged us saying if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord come to my house and stay and she prevailed upon us as we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. This is God's Word the Holy Spirit and the end of segregation. From a human standpoint, The end of segregation seems impossible. I mean, racism is as old as the book of Acts. Did you notice that? In our text, Paul and Silas are dragged into downtown Philippi, where the structures of money and power resided. And Paul's accusers commit the act of othering. Did you hear it? They're not us. On one side is Roman Philippi and its social world and its elite culture and national pride. And on the other side is the problem of the Jews. The problem of the Jews. Do you see it? These men are Jews, we're Romans. In his book, The Souls of Black Folk, sociologist W.E.B. Du Bois wrote, The problem of the 20th century... Is the problem of the color line? And then he asks, "How does it feel to be a problem?" It's an ancient problem. The color line segregated Egyptians and Israelites in Genesis forty-three thirty-two. It says Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that would be an abomination to the Egyptians. It segregated the Samaritans and the Jews in John chapter 4, verse 9. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, John comments in that verse. In in modern times, the line segregates China and Japan and Nazi Germany and the Jews and Japan and South Korea and apartheid in South Africa, Hutus and Tutsis in Africa, and yes, Israel and Palestine Today, in addition to America's own legacy of racism, the the, the global problem of the color line stems from pride, from the man-centered sin of superiority, from the false human ideology of hierarchy, from the lie that our ethnic differences determine who's in and who's out. The the universal impact of sin teaches that no human is immune from the temptation of racism. So yes, from a human standpoint, segregation seems just like an inevitability. But our text today is an invitation for us to experience God's reality our text today is an invitation to a coming kingdom where our ethnic distinctives are seen as gifts from God stories to be celebrated not problems to be tolerated how can the distinct people groups of the world come together as one family to worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How can our lives display the beloved community? And the answer is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The answer is by the Holy Spirit having the Holy Spirit's way in and through our lives so that our lives reflect the very love and life of Jesus Christ. Didn't we just sing it? It's not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's how. So Acts chapter 16 invites us to the joy of God-given ethnic beauties. G.K. Chesterton, who mentored C.S. Lewis into Christianity, once said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. And yet the Word of God is stubborn. The Word of God insists that our ethnic distinctives exist to instill awe and wonder at the majesty of God's glory God displays himself in and through his image bearers and we can see this when we study the book of Acts the book of Acts uh, is a 30-year chronicle of global gospel expansion across the Roman Empire And what I want us to see in these verses, first, I want us to just do a brisk review of what's going on in the book of Acts, setting the stage for this remarkable chapter as we hear the stories of various converts from various ethnic spaces and how Jesus Christ brought them together in one church. First, if you just go back to Acts chapter 1, Jesus speaks in verse 8 and says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So so as Acts unfolds, story after story asserts that God's chosen people are some from every tongue and tribe and nation and language. God's chosen people are a new multi-ethnic community transformed and redefined in Christ without ethnic boundaries of division. Christ's new community is holy and pure, sealed with the Spirit. Christ's community is filled with many ethnic communities with different shades of skin and different accents and we're from different nations with different experiences. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost, there was a reversal of Babel. If you will recall, the Tower of Babel was where God confused uh, the people with different languages and spreading them out Because of human pride. But in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, there's a reversal. And God's Spirit landed with tongues of fire. And the worshipers heard the mighty works of God in their own languages. Peter preached Jesus, and 3,000 were baptized that day. Think about it the Holy Spirit does not force the Pentecost crowd to hear the gospel in a single, universal, heavenly language. No! You need not hear the word of God in the language of Jesus to know the word of God. God's word is translatable. And thus it's multilingual. And thus it's multicultural. And thus it's multiethnic. The Holy Spirit accommodates and lives in the multiplicity of human languages and cultures. Well, quickly now, when we go to the the chapter 8 of the book of Acts, the Ethiopian treasurer for Candace, hears the gospel from Philip, a Greek deacon. And Philip baptizes this Ethiopian, and they become siblings in Christ. Oh now, Acts chapter 9, Peter Peter meets with Cornelius, who is a Roman military officer. And Peter shares Jesus, and, and Cornelius receives the Holy Spirit with tongues, and Peter baptizes him and his entire household. Peter, a Hebrew, gained a brother in Christ, a Roman. And then in Acts chapter 15, Paul testifies to the grace of Jesus Christ in his first missionary journey. He tells of signs and wonders to the Gentiles. He addresses an important question that's uh, looming here in the book of Acts, and it's, it's this. Must one become Jewish via circumcision before becoming a Christian? And the conclusion is firm. You need not convert to Judaism to become a Christian. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, preached by the word of God alone. No circumcision required. And so with this settled, Paul and Silas set out on their second missionary journey. And that takes us to Acts chapter 16. I told you it was going to be a brisk walk here. So in Acts chapter 16, we see that the Apostle Paul and Silas are revisiting some of the churches that had been planted in that first missionary journey. So in verse 1, they go to Derby and then they go to Lystra. While they were in Lystra, the Scripture says that they met Timothy. And Timothy, note what the Scripture says, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. Now we know uh, a little bit about Timothy's mother. Her name was Eunice, and Timothy's grandmother's name was Lois. How do you know that? 2 Timothy chapter 1 tells us that. And Eunice was Hebrew. But the scripture says that Timothy's father was Greek. Now this brings a very interesting curiosity because having just established that circumcision. Ought not to be a condition for salvation in chapter 15. Look at verse 3 of chapter 16. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. What? Why is that? What's that about? Well, let's stay focused on Timothy here. His mother was Hebrew, his father was Greek, meaning Timothy is both Greek and uh, Hebrew. He's he's, he's the son of a mixed marriage. So Timothy has more than one ethnic identity. Now just sit in that for a minute. Pause there and take that in. Timothy is a model of in-between existence. In his commentary, it's a theological commentary on the book of Acts, Professor Willie James Jennings wrote, The power of in-between existence, that is Christian existence, is the power to love without contradiction, and such love is always possible. And then Dr. Jennings says it is possible for Timothy to love the Gentiles of his father and the Jews of his mother and with both and through both and in both to live out his loyalty to Jesus. This is the inner logic of a Christian to perform multiple loves in loving Jesus. You see that? Timothy is the progeny of two opposing people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, and yet he navigates his ethnic identities by acknowledging Jesus as sovereign king over his identities. So Timothy, Dr. Jennings notes, is an ethnic seam. He is a bridge between two ethnic histories, and I can learn from him. I can learn from his flexibility to be at home with his father's family and at home with his mother's family. Timothy negotiates both the Greek marketplace and the Jewish synagogue. Timothy can speak the language of Alexander the Great and the language of Father Abraham. In the lordship of Jesus Christ, Timothy does not erase his ethnic origins, nor does he have to choose between ethnicities. Instead, he embraces their distinctives, leveraging them as an ambassador of Christ's heavenly realm. According to theologian Eric D. Barreto, Timothy shows that ethnic Purity is not mandatory for membership in this multi-ethnic people of God. In other words, Timothy is the church. And in his body are those Jews and Gentiles who unite to the cause of Christ even as they celebrate their distinctives as gifts of Christ. So Timothy's very life and ministry is going to demonstrate christ's coming kingdom before a divided world so here's the better question why would timothy let himself be circumcised it was his decision after all he exercised agency and what these verses lead me to conclude is that he saw an opportunity to expand his capacity to preach christ Timothy was at home in more than one world. What a gift. What a gift. I mean, is there something for me to learn even in my own homogenous heritage? That, That perhaps I don't need to be culturally comfortable all the time. That perhaps I can be curious and I can celebrate a heritage not my own. Christianity is global, folks. And blessed is the church that can celebrate a variety of backgrounds. Do you believe that? Yeah. Now, Paul never yielded on the moral aspects of the faith, ever. He never yielded on, on the holiness of Christ. He never, he never budged at all on, 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 the, on the ancient Hebrew, holiness and purity. And he never budged on self-giving love either. With those foundations fixed, Paul wisely exercised cultural and ethnic mobility. And that's why we hear him say in First Corinthians nine, nineteen to twenty three, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all possible means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. That's that's why Paul lived the way he lived And Timothy is following Paul in this way. He's expanding his capacity to reach people for Christ by being able to to go in, in Hebrew spaces and Gentile spaces. And listen, Paul's flexibility is not just Paul's. It's for us, church family. It's for us. And so when you hear songs and hymns in languages other than English, That's a demonstration of flexibility. We we never yield morally in regard to holiness and, 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 and a love for the law of Christ, the law of love. And we celebrate flexibly the nations and cultures and ethnicities from which we come. Amen? Well, more flexibility, let's keep reading, appears in Acts 16. Where, beginning in verse 11, Paul and Timothy and Silas, along with Luke, did you notice in verse 10, uh, the, the, the first person plural kicks in. We sought to go into Macedonia. We, who's we? Well, the, Luke has joined the group. Luke is now with the party. And they entered Philippi. The scriptures tell us that Philippi was a leading city a colony of Rome in northern Greece. Now, Philippi was founded by Alexander the Great's father, uh, Philip of Macedon. And later, when the Romans took over, Philippi was the site of the decisive battle uh, when uh, Augustus Caesar defeated Antony. And as a reward to his faithful and loyal soldiers, Augustine granted Philippi the status of colony and military veterans uh, were rewarded with with property and it became a tribute free city. No taxes had to be paid to the emperor. Philippi, therefore, was very Roman. It was it looked Roman. It felt Roman. It was a piece of Rome in Greece. There were about 10,000 residents there and on arrival the apostle paul and the team they they don't, they don't find a synagogue uh, so they go to what luke calls a place of prayer a place of prayer that's verse 13 And when they went to the place of prayer, that's where they found some worshipers. Look at verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Now in naming her... Luke identifies Lydia as a woman of status. So, you see, Thyatira was known for producing pricey purple-dyed fabrics. Very expensive. And this signaled the upscale economy of Philippi, more like Michigan Avenue. And she's so successful that she even had a home in Philippi. But the most important thing that we hear about Lydia was that the Lord opened her heart. She was a spiritual seeker. She was a worshiper of God. That phrase, worshiper of God, indicates that she is a worshiper. Although she's not Hebrew, she is a worshiper of the God of Abraham, of Yahweh, the one true God, the God of the Scriptures. And so Paul came to that place of prayer where Lydia was meeting with other women. And and the Scripture says that the Lord opened her heart. Isn't that why all of us are here? That at some point in time, God opened your heart. Your heart was closed. But God did something. God changed you. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And you say, well, what was said by Paul? Well, if you go back to other sermons that Paul preached in the book of Acts, Paul would connect the messianic promises to the life, teachings, miracles, signs, wonders, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And so all that she had understood about the Hebrew scriptures had been fulfilled in Christ Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the temple, the meeting place. You need not go to Jerusalem to know God. You need Jesus. And she, she, she took that message in concerning Jesus who became the curse of our sin and who in this divine exchange gave us the bounty of his righteousness. And the scripture says that Lydia heard and believed and was baptized She and her entire household as well. She who was once a religious practitioner became a spiritual daughter of Christ's kingdom. Friends, religion is outside in, but Christianity is inside out. It starts with the heart. Religion is spelled D-O. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Religion depends upon my ability to keep the law. Christianity depends upon Christ's ability to keep his promises. And whereas Lydia once practiced her faith out of duty, now she practices it out of beauty. She saw the beauty of Christ, and she obeyed out of joy, and she's filled with love. She teaches us, doesn't she? She had every material possession she could possibly want, and yet yet God opened her heart to true treasure, the treasure of Christ. Oh, you can have all the material stuff imaginable and still be impoverished, can't you? Only Jesus makes the difference. Yeah. And what do we see at once, at once? I mean, I mean, before the waters of her baptism had, had evaporated, the scripture says in verse 15 she urged us if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord come to my house and stay. So so immediately she began showing hospitality. She began sharing. Uh, we know something about that, don't we church? Yes. Yeah, God has impacted your heart and opened your heart and brought you to Christ and 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 that's why he gives so generously in and through you. It's because Jesus makes a difference. When the Lord has your heart, he'll also have your possessions. Well, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Later on at this place of prayer, this place of prayer, verse 16, has now become a church, right? And Paul is preaching and guests are coming and word is getting out and So who's gonna who's gonna belong here in this new church, in this new community? And in verse 16, a visitor shows up. Do you see the visitor? Literally, Luke tells us that she was possessed of this spirit of divination. Uh, literally, Literally, the word is it's a python spirit. A python spirit. She's a young lady, she's a slave, so she's marginalized. And her eerie, occult-like possessive was this stream of income for her owners. And verse 17 says that she began to follow Paul and the team, and she kept chanting over and over, these men are servants of the Most High, and they are telling you the way to be saved. These men are servants of the Most High who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And and they, they just didn't do that while Paul was in the fireside room greeting new guests. I mean, it was throughout the entire week. And she kept doing this for many days. And and Paul, after a while, he began to be annoyed. He was annoyed by this. No, not annoyed. Greatly annoyed. And what does that mean? Well, it it means that's all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. That's what it means. Right? Stop saying that. I command you in the name of Christ, come out. And the Bible says it was immediate. Verse 18 that very hour and that's what triggered the persecution when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone they dragged Paul and Silas to the marketplace they called the magistrates and notice what the owners said to the magistrates the magistrates were like uh, two mayors who ran the city together that was their structure they called these magistrates and they said they said they didn't say they didn't say. They didn't say. Look, they took away our income. They didn't say that. Look at what they said in verse twenty. They're Jews. They're Jews, and we all know what Jewish people do. Jewish people cause trouble. Jewish people are against our way of life. They're Jews. We're Romans. You see that? They're Jews. We. They. We. They. And, and this xenophobic mob forms. And the magistrates attack Paul and Silas, ripping the clothes off their backs and beating them with rods and pinning their feet in stocks. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. They're hungry. Scripture says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What a remarkable person the Apostle Paul and his associate Silas, how what remarkable persons they were to have received all that they received there. And then Luke notes, they were praying and singing hymns to God. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. And, the, and, and listen, you never know when your prayers and hymns will be overheard, right? Scripture says that the prisoners were listening to them. When suddenly (laughs) an earthquake, the earthquake happened and, and, and this earthquake opened both chains and doors and the scripture says that everyone's bonds were unfastened. A reversal had occurred. You see that? God has overruled Rome and now it's the jailer who's in the dark. It's the jailer who's full of fear. It's the jailer in need of rescue. Well, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen? Will will the will the inmates? Will the maximum security inmates mob him? Will Paul and Silas slip away? That jailer's not waiting to find out. He's going to fall on his sword right away. He was prepared to kill himself. Verse twenty seven, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, we're here, we're not going anywhere. Now imagine the leadership of the apostle Paul, who by his example compelled the other prisoners to stay put. And the light of Paul's words shined in the the night of this jailer's soul. And this jailer became an, an unexpected recipient of grace. Though abused and chained, Paul and Silas repaid evil with good. I like how Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller, put it. Paul and Silas had no need to get their freedom at the expense of the jailer's life because they already had their freedom at the expense of Jesus' life. Amen. The one who had locked them up now sought to be unlocked. And he cried out, what must I do to be saved? Get me out of this mess. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Here's what. Here's the work that you have to do. Verses 31 and 32. It is the work of faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And then came the baptisms. And then came the washing of Paul and Silas's wounds. One old preacher from centuries and centuries ago, his name was John Chrysostom. It says, Paul washed, and then Paul was washed. Yeah. And after that came more hospitality. The jailer served them meal, and the scripture says, he rejoiced. You see that, verse 34? He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. His life was changed. Do you see what's going on here? Different backgrounds. You've got Lydia. You've got this slave girl. You've got this jailer. They're all from different backgrounds, but they're hearing the gospel of Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the morning came. And in the morning came, verse 35 says, that the magistrates sent the police and the police said to the jailer, go ahead and release those prisoners. Tell them that they can go, run along, don't cause any more trouble, and they can leave at peace. And then the Magistrates said this to the police, and the police said this to the jailer, and the jailer said this to Paul and Silas, you can go now. And Paul said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They beat us publicly. They put us in prison without due process. If they want to leave, they need to come down and release us on their own. We're no troublemakers. We're no threat to this Roman colony. And then they say this. We are Romans. We are Romans. It was your job to protect us. And yet you dishonored us. You publicly shamed us. You incarcerated us on the accusations that we are not like you. We are you. You see what Paul's doing? He's navigating his own ethnic identities in the service of King Jesus. For Paul, being Jewish and being Roman, are not at odds. Paul need not disavow his ethnic composite to serve Christ. And when the magistrates heard that, they trembled like the earth trembled the night before. They're Romans. They're Romans. Did we just violate the civil rights of Romans? Did we just make baseless ethnic assumptions? Did, did, verse 38 says, they were afraid. They were afraid. So they, so they came and they apologized to them. Scripture says in verse thirty, they took them out. Look, 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 we are really sorry. Please don't, please don't, don't say anything. This, is, this won't happen again. We just didn't know. We just didn't know. And some of you are saying, why didn't Paul tell them that ahead of time? Hold that question. So they're taking Paul and Silas out to the gates of the city. People are awake now. It's public. They're witnessing this spectacle. Look, let, let's get you on your way. Let's put all this behind him. Verse 39 says, they asked them to leave the city. And Paul's, <laughs> Paul didn't say this, but his actions said this. We'll leave when we're good and ready. We're Romans. Okay? Because what, what happened just then? They went back to Lydia's house, didn't they? We believe we're good and ready. So they went out of the prison, verse 40. They visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Now, now what what are we learning here? Okay, you say, Pastor, that's a really nice story. It's a great story. Okay, what's what's the point? Here's the point. Jesus Christ is building a new community from a Middle Eastern textiles executive, a marginalized slave girl, and a crusty military jailer. That's what he's doing. You couldn't find three more different souls as charter members of a new church. All were brought to faith by the gospel. By the gospel! by the gospel word of one who proclaimed, for who was a male Roman Jewish apostle of Christ. So Paul's story involves various ethnic identities, and his own faith embodies the very nature of the church. Timothy is Jewish and Gentile. Paul is Jewish and Roman. The gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. And some people say, well, I'm just not the religious type. There is no religious type. There's no personality inherently better wired for Christianity. There's no ethnic type. All have sinned. All are loved, and all must turn to God. And so, what that means is that we should never, ever say, Well, that person would never come to Christ. We don't ever lose hope that others may come to know the Lord. God can open hearts. We're here. God is the one who brings conversion. And when conversion happens, that means we turn ourselves to God. And that means all of ourselves without leaving anything behind or outside. But it also means not replacing what is there with something else. Because conversion is about refocusing and relocating and repositioning all of who we are. Our mental, emotional, cultural, social, ethnic lives. All of us step into the light. Of what God has done in Jesus. Acts 16 is the story of how Jesus Himself, through His Holy Spirit, created a spirit-filled community out of people from various stories. It's about how through the power of the Spirit, a new reality came into being. A new church was born in Roman Philippi, filled with Romans and Hebrews and Greeks and every ethnic mixture thereof. And what unites them is what unites us. The Word, the water, and the wine. And every time they gathered, the preached word stripped away their prejudices. Nobody could think, well, I'm better than so-and-so. No, no, no. The word of God proclaimed in Jesus. This word pumped life into their spirits. And the life of our church is not in our morality or our activity or even our generosity. It is the living, active word of God pulsating through us. And so this pulpit does not stand as a symbol of faulty human thinking. Rather, it is a symbol of God's unchanging gospel that binds us together as the redeemed people of God. Furthermore, we're united by the water. Every person in that church shared the experience of water baptism. And the waters of baptism do not discriminate they openly declare that only sinners are here at church. And your baptism is an emblem of your adoption and redemption and exoneration. Your baptism is a symbol that God has plucked you out of the kingdom of this world and planted you into the kingdom of His Son. All of our sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus promised. And then, and then, Having received the word and been washed in the baptismal waters, we come to the table, the bread and wine. We gather, we're gathered by the Holy Spirit around the Lord's table and we share in the feast that unites. And here, our ethnic distinctives, they're not erased. They're celebrated in the light of our shared need for Christ who gave his life as a ransom for many. And now you know why Paul didn't share his passport with the magistrates before they started beating him. Because he did not want the church to think that you had to have the privileges of Roman citizenship in order to be a Christian. You just need, and we just need, Jesus. He is all we need. Amen? I'm done. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Oh God, help us not just to be hearers of your word, but doers. Change us, cleanse us, come alive in us, so that we can truly say, it's not I, but Christ in and through me. Thank you. We love you. We praise you. All glory to you, King Jesus. In your name we pray and the church said, amen.